Chapter 10, Part 1 of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollections of P. T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Struggles and Triumphs of P. T. Barnum, Chapter 10 Another Successful Speculation, Part 1. The president and directors of the New York Museum Company not only failed to buy the American Museum as they confidently expected to do, but after my newspaper squib war and my purchase of the museum, they found it utterly impossible to sell their stock. By some arrangement, the particulars of which I do not remember if indeed I ever cared to know them, Mr. Peel was conducting Peel's Museum, which he claimed was a more scientific establishment than mine, and he pretended to appeal to a higher class of patrons. Mesmerism was one of his scientific attractions, and he had a subject upon whom he operated at times with the greatest seeming success, and fairly astonished his audiences. But there were times when the subject was wholly unimpressible, and then those who had paid their money to see the woman put into the mesmeric state cried out humbug, and the reputation of the establishment seriously suffered. It devolved upon me to open a rival mesmeric performance, and accordingly I engaged a bright little girl who was exceedingly susceptible to such mesmeric influences as I could induce. That is, she learned her lesson thoroughly, and when I had apparently put her to sleep with a few passes and stood behind her, she seemed to be duly impressed, as I desired, raised her hands as I willed, fell from her chair to the floor, and if I put candy or tobacco into my mouth, she was duly delighted or disgusted. She never failed in these routine performances. Strange to say, believers in mesmerism used to witness her performances with the greatest pleasure and reduced them as positive proofs that there was something in mesmerism and they applauded tremendously up to a certain point that point was reached when leaving the girl asleep i called up someone in the audience promising to put him in the same state within five minutes or forfeit fifty dollars of course all my passes would not put any man in the mesmeric state at the end of three minutes he was as wide awake as ever never mind i would say looking at my watch i have two minutes more and meantime to show that a person in this state is utterly insensible to pain i propose to cut off one of the fingers of the little girl who is still asleep i would then take out my knife and feel of the edge and when i had turned around to the girl whom i left on the chair she had fled behind the scenes to the intense amusement of the greater part of the audience and to the amazement of the mesmerists who were present why where's my little girl i asked with feigned astonishment oh she ran away when you began to talk about cutting off fingers then she was wide awake was she of course she was all the time i suppose so and my dear sir i promised that you should be in the same state at the end of five minutes and as i believe you are so i do not forfeit fifty dollars i kept up this performance for several weeks till i quite killed peel's genuine mesmerism in the rival establishment after peel yankee hill undertook the management of that museum but in a little while he failed it was then let to henry bennett who reduced the entrance price to one shilling a half price which led me to characterize his concern as cheap and nasty and he began a serious rivalry with my museum his main reliances were burlesques and caricatures of whatever novelties i was exhibiting thus when i advertised an able company of vocalists well known as the orphean family bennett announced the orphan family my fiji mermaid he offset with a figure made of a monkey and codfish joined together and called the fudgy mermaid these things created some laughter at my expense but they also served to advertise my museum when the novelty of this opposition died away bennett did a decidingly losing business i used to send a man with a shilling to his place every night and i knew exactly how much he was doing and what were his receipts the holidays were coming and might tide him over a day or two but he was at the very bottom and i said to him one day bennett if you can keep open one week after new year's i will give you a hundred dollars he made every effort to win the money and even went to the landlord and offered him the entire receipts for a week if he would only let him stay there but he would not do it and the day after new year's january second eighteen forty three bennett shut up shop having lost his last dollar and even failing to secure the handsome 
handsome premium i offered him the entire collection fell into the hands of the landlord for arrearages of rent and i privately purchased it for seven thousand dollars cash hired the building and secretly engaged bennett as my agent we ran a very spirited opposition for a long time and abused each other terribly in public it was very amusing when actors and performers failed to make terms with one of us and went to the other carrying from one to the other the price each was willing to pay for an engagement we thus used to hear extraordinary stories about each other's liberal terms but between the two we managed to secure such persons as we wanted at about the rates at which their services were really worth while these people were thus running from one manager to the other supposing we were rivals bennett said to me one day you and i are like a pair of shears we seem to cut each other but we only cut what comes between i ran my opposition long enough to beat myself it answered every purpose however in awakening public attention to my museum and was an advantage in preventing others from starting a genuine opposition at the end of six months the whole establishment including the splendid gallery of american portraits was removed to the american museum and i immediately advertised the great card of a double attraction and two museums in one without extra charge a museum proper obviously depends for patronage largely upon country people who visit the city with a worthy curiosity to see the novelties of the town as i had opened a dramatic entertainment in connection with my curiosities it was clear that i must adapt my stage to the wants of my country customers while i was disposed to amuse my provincial patrons i was determined that there should be nothing in my establishment where many of my visitors would derive their first impressions of city life that could contaminate or corrupt them at this period it was customary to tolerate very considerable license on the stage things were said and done and permitted in theatres that elsewhere would have been pronounced highly improper the public seemed to demand these things and it is an axiom in political economy that the demand must regulate the supply but i determined at the start that let the demand be what it might the museum dramatic entertainments should be unexceptionable on the score of morality i have already mentioned some of the immediate reforms i made in the abuses of the stage i went farther and at the risk of some pecuniary sacrifice i abolished what was common enough in other theatres even the most respectable and was generally known as the third tier nor was a bar permitted on my premises to be sure i had no power to prevent my patrons from going out between the acts and getting liquor if they chose to do so and i gave checks as is done in other theatres and some of my city customers availed themselves of the opportunity to go out for drinks and return again practically then it was much the same as if i had kept a bar in the museum and so i abolished the check business there was great reason to apprehend that such a course would rob me of the patronage of a considerable class of playgoers but i rigidly adhered to the new rule and what i may have lost in money i more than gained in the greater decorum which characterized my audiences the museum became a mania with me and i made everything possible subservient to it on the eve of elections rival politicians would ask me for whom i was going to vote and my answer invariably was i vote for the american museum in fact at that time i cared very little about politics and a great deal about my business meanwhile the museum prospered wonderfully and everything i attempted or engaged in seemed at the outset an assured success the giants whom i exhibited from time to time were always literally great features in my establishment and they oftentimes afforded me as well as my patrons food for much amusement as well as wonder the quaker giant haley's was quite a wag in his way he went once to see the new house of an acquaintance who had suddenly become rich but who was a very ignorant man when he came back he described the wonders of the mansion and said that the proud proprietor showed him everything from basement to attic parlors bedrooms dining-room and said haley's what he called his study meaning i suppose the place where he intends to study his spelling-book i had at one time two famous men the french giant m b n a very slim man and the arabian giant colonel goshen these men generally got on together very well though of course each was jealous of the other and of the attention the rival received 
or the notice he attracted one day they quarrelled and a lively interchange of compliments ensued the rabin calling the frenchman a shanghai and receiving in return the epithet of nigger from words both were eager to proceed to blows and both ran to my collection of arms one seizing the club with which captain cook or any other man might have been killed if it were judiciously wielded and the other laying hands on a sword of the terrific size which is supposed to have been conventional in the days of the crusades the preparations for a deadly encounter and the high words of the contending parties brought a dozen of the museum attaches to the spot and these men threw themselves between the gigantic combatants hearing the disturbance i ran from my private office to the dueling ground and said look here this is all right if you want to fight each other maiming and perhaps killing one or both of you that is your affair but my interest lies here you are both under engagement to me and if this duel is to come off i and the public have a right to participate it must be duly advertised and must take place on the stage of the lecture room no performance of yours would be a greater attraction and if you kill each other our engagement can end with your duel this proposition made in apparent earnest so delighted the giants that they at once burst into a laugh shook hands and quarrelled no more i now come to the details of one of the most interesting as well as successful of all the show enterprises in which i have engaged one which not only taxed all my ingenuity and industry but which gave unqualified delight to thousands of people on two continents and put enormous sums of money into many pockets besides my own End of chapter ten part one